You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Well, welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show, going on week five, maybe maybe six in isolation, recording live from the Budgie Smuggler bedroom studios. Yeah, still, still trying to socially distance, still trying to do everything right by our... Uh, uh, medical authorities and i feel like uh australians are performing quite well there's been at time of recording there's been uh zero new cases in queensland over the last two days everyone's taking it seriously uh much more seriously than the americans who think that their uh freedoms are being oppressed by doctors in australia i'm glad we're taking it seriously and one queenslander who is taking it seriously from inside his gorgeous timber queenslander in uh in brisbane's bayside is James Tidswell from Violent Soho. How are you, mate? G'day. Very well, thank you. How are you guys? Always good, mate. Always good to talk to a famous Queenslander. I think last week on the show we also had a person from the Bayside in uh, Becky Lucas, I yeah, think Becky, we had on. Becky Lucas. And she's actually from Victoria Point, so she's oh, she's deep Bayside. But, um, wow. What are you? Yeah, I guess you'd say mid, mid-Redlands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all I know is like I... Go to the boat trailer club and Ranger Stacy is always there. So it's a, it's a good spot to live, you know. Uh, now tell us, mate. You guys have just dropped a very ironically titled album, <laughs> titled "Everything Is A OK." With uh, the cover has uh, an Australia flag, not exactly at half mast. Let's say three quarter mast. Um, how does that feel right now, having an album that's obviously charting right across the country? and not being able to tour it immediately? Well, it's sort of like having the wind, you know, taken from your sails. Yeah, it's kind of like being winded, I guess, in a, in a, in a, lot, of, a lot of ways. You know, you're all pumped up and ready to go, especially after the amount of time we've had off. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the easiest way I can explain it. I don't know, I've never... Yeah, I'm trying to not think about it like sort of too much. It's just, it, it's sort of in a way feels like it hasn't even come out, you know, yeah. because, I don't know, I'm not at the grocery store being you know having uh, people be like oh you know i like the album and stuff so yeah you know <laughs> is that an important part of how an album is received is how you're received at the supermarket <laughs> <laughs> if you wrote an album that wasn't that good all the punters down at the markets to tell you about it <laughs> that's that's probably why it feels like it hasn't come out because i i, I, I i'm wary about being online and yeah. Uh, yeah. Re- re- reading what people would say about it because what someone's <laughs> prepared to comment on what they think about it is very different to coming up to us in the supermarket <laughs> so you know yeah, it's, very it's not as yeah, it's not what I base um, or, or any of us base the album on, but uh, it's, yeah. it, it definitely makes it sort of more real in, in a way. After after this yeah. one, yeah. I mean. It's like politicians. When you've won over the taxi drivers, you've won over the country. So it's hard to know if you've, if you've won over the country, <laughs> if you're not getting any cabs or going to the supermarket. Do you remember the first time? First time you heard it in a cab? Do you remember the first time you heard it in a cab or in the shops? I think it was Coles in um, New Farm. I'm pretty right. sure. Yeah, uh, they were they were playing uh, Fur Eyes. Yeah, it's a bit of a spin out. Yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah, it's a huge spin out. <laughs> yeah, because you know the music that they play in Coles, 
whilst um, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, sometimes I, I shazam it, but yeah, you know, you don't expect it to be played in coals. <laughs> no, but I do reckon it'd be good for uh, your APRA earnings. So <laughs> if you're on a uh, coals radio at a, a heavy rotation, that that's a public place. That's a real cash cow, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, it's probably all you, all you can get now. Speaking of like, cars, yeah. that that's all I think. I always think about when they complained about Uber coming out, and they were like, you know, pissed off that there was Uber and how it was destroying that industry. I was like, man, imagine if it was like exactly that, but Ubers were free because like that. That's what we're you know going through at the time. Do you know what I mean? It's like. It's like it's not a competitor. It's now your shit's free. So, you know, yeah. um, you know, and they would complain about it and you get in a cab and have them whinge and yeah, I was sitting there like, man, yeah. what I do is free, you know. Yeah, yeah. Ever heard of torrents? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to torrent this cab. <laughs> you wouldn't download a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> Violent Soho have this unique ability to convince every person that's heard your music for the first time you're only a new band. Have you noticed that? But, but, yeah. I guess, I guess it is because you guys perform so well at festivals. Um, there's always going to be a 19-year-old kid in a crowd somewhere that hasn't seen you before because it's their first festival, I guess, and could have a lot to do with the energy on stage. When you guys first started making music, were you like a gigging band or were you a... Uh, smoking billies in the basement making music band yeah the second one <laughs> i mean <laughs> we still played heaps of shows so i'm talking heaps but never covers you know mm. um never you know trying to do that sort of thing we were like now i realize it gave us something that like a lot of bands don't uh, have because like we're so out of control like this is yeah. so beyond you know the the realm of possibility of happening that yeah it, it it doesn't leave room to be anyone to not just be enjoying it if that makes sense yeah, yeah. so and i think that's because like there was like while we play heaps of shows you know we were terrible i mean terrible um you we decided to do a tour once because we didn't know what we we're doing and we booked uh uh, a show every week I, I know that sounds crazy or something like that but we ended up playing Four Mile Creek Hotel in Strathpine on a Tuesday <laughs> night and this is 2006 and and the four people that were there started trying to basically well they started spitting on us because we wouldn't play Rage Against the Machine killing them the name <laughs> of so yeah no. and then they waited for us outside trying to roundhouse kick us as, um, as we like roundhouse kick yeah yeah, yeah, I'll just never forget this lanky, big, drunk dude trying to do a roundhouse kick. You know, um, but, you know, things like that would get bands down, you know, um, yeah. whereas when your ambition doesn't take into account not going through that, you know, it's funny. So we're just lucky like that, you know. if, if When shit's bad, it's funny. That's sort of the, you got to laugh. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the game plan. Oh, we did our first national tour in 2018 and, yeah, let me just say, uh, QPAC in Brisbane was a bit different to the Gov in Adelaide. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Adelaide's good, eh? Yeah. yeah. They're fickle. They're fickle. <laughs> <laughs> How many years has it been now? Do you have an official date you guys started? 
Nah, we, we always try and work it out. I think w- what happened was is our first time get like playing was 2003 in a house just off Logan Road on, on Mount Cravat, and that was where Henry lived. And then and that was in like July. And then we didn't really come back together until 2004 March, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's yeah. when we sort of, I mean, didn't take it seriously, but we recorded, you know, demos. Um, we handed out free demos. We played, you know, Fat Louis. Rick's was the dream. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's around that time. So I think it's like 16, 17 years. It's pretty long. So what was the song that really changed it for you? Because you were really trucking along, if you're saying like 2003, probably be about 10 or so years until you really broke through. Yeah, well, like we, we kind of got two shots at it, which is, is the most crazy part, you know. Um, in yeah. 2009, we get like, you know, signed to Thurston Moore's label. We go over to America. And I mean, it takes off immediately. Like, uh, yeah, the the biggest radio station possibly in the world, K Rock. You know, we're six most played on there, and this is unbelievable at the time because Weezer have our new songs, Green Day has our new songs, you know, Paramore, and we're ahead of them on you know this uh, thing. So yeah, yeah, this is 2010, maybe January, March, and somewhere around there, out of our minds. I like, can't even believe like this is happening, and like. Yeah, because I don't think a lot of people know that about you, really, that you did kind of break through way earlier than what people here would assume, which would be covered in chrome. Yeah, yeah, well, totally. Yeah, that song was Jesus Don't My Girlfriend. And I mean, you know, it got some play, but like, you know, it was nothing back here. Put it this way, the the record cost like, I think, 250 grand, including videos, something insane. And we... We sold like 3,000 copies. And then we came home, not tail between our legs, but just kind of like, that ain't what we're doing. You know, it's hard to go from the garage to, you know, going on after yeah, a yeah. hole in, in Texas. Um, <laughs> you know, Henry's got no shoes on. He's lost his shoes with, with, with his paw and we're going on after a hole. So it's just a big jump from Mansfield mm-hmm. to, you know, Texas stadiums between hole and 30 seconds to Mars. And we just didn't really, it just was way too far behind the curtain for us. So we um, came home and, um, you know, heads down and bums up and then made um, Hungry Ghost for like under 20 grand. And I think it's almost sold 70,000 copies, you know. So it's, um, it, it was definitely covered in crime. <laughs> Long yeah. story short, yes. Yeah, that's um. I mean, I guess that was uh, the one that kind of tapped a new era of Triple J too because Triple J was changing a lot and you, you slotted perfectly into where they were at. Because when you started, it would have probably been still a bit Miff, Adam Spencer vibes, and then by the time you kind of covered in Chrome came mm. along, you were completely what the, everyone was looking for. Yeah, like, I mean, it, like, not not Triple J. They, they were always, like, you know, um, pretty kind. And I, I couldn't talk more um, positive about them, like what I've grown up listening to and where it's at now. But we had so many years of, of people not, like... But yeah, like bagging us out, like saying that we're shit, like, you know, that um, all this sort of stuff that it was it was really weird, you know, to when all that happened. It was kind of like we have been so unpopular for so long <laughs> that all of a sudden this stuff became popular and we were the first ones doing it. Kind of not, not, not the first ones doing it, but yeah, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Suck yeah. my dick and pay respect. 
Yeah, yeah, I do. They, honestly, the, the, the amount of reviews you read from 2004 to 2009, and this is truth be told, is like, sounds like Nirvana, Nirvana wannabes, shit, 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 shit. Then, oh, signed to Thirst the Moore's label. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? You think that that would just be like, everyone would be like, wow, well, there you go. We know nothing. No, they they doubled down, man. They doubled yeah. down. That's that. There is some reviews out there where it's like it's just brutal. Someone asked me today, like, how would you describe your music and why does it sound like it? And it's like, man, it's because we grew up in the '90s, so whatever goes in is what comes out. Like, I yeah. I, I can't explain it much more than that. It's like mm. we wouldn't know how to play anything else, and if we did, it would be disingenuous. You know, yeah, it'd be yeah. like it be trying. This is what we grew up listening to, and this is how you do it. I was listening yeah. to um, Old Mate the other night on uh, Spicks and Specs, Old Mate from Jet, who was saying... A similar <laughs> thing to you. He was saying that album, you know, obviously their breakout album that went everywhere, you know, CSI. It was on CSI. Yeah, um, get born. Yeah. But then they said after that, they tried their hand at writing a hit, like actually trying to write a hit, having debuted a, a bunch of hits that they just that was just their sound and then they tried to make a hit and he said you, you kind of lose track of the world when you're trying to make a hit is would you would you say that's a bit the same yeah i'd say it's it's more the mindset of doing that it you know um sorry i gotta turn the uh thermometer off on the smoker good dinner's, <laughs> dinner's on dinner's on but um yeah, I reckon it's more the mindset, you know, that, that you're in. If you're even attempting that where you've, you've, you've potentially derailed yourself already, I don't think it's trying to write the song itself. It's more like if that's the mindset you're in, you know, yeah. it's it's all downhill from here. The song that he's probably talking about is Shine On, which is a great song, funnily enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys are a sentimental bunch in that you still very much, uh, all your family still live in the, the 4122 postcode of Mansfield. You do a lot of hometown gigs. I think you kind of you actually had a monster a couple of years back at the Mansfield Tavern. R.I.P. Mm. I mean, aside from the Texas stadiums and all those kind of big shows you did so early in your career, what what has been the most special for you guys? For for you, was it the um, footy show? Was it NRL Grand Final or Origin? What have you done that? Um. We didn't play the NRL Grand Final. I've just got a vision ingrained into my mind of you guys playing in Broncos jerseys. Where was that? Oh, the footy show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. the same as a Grand Final, mate. Oh, uh, and yeah. Origin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's the after party, man. Like The footy show was like the after, after, after party of Fatty Borton's State of Origin years, man. Um... <laughs> I um, I mean, nah, it was good. It was really good to me. Obviously, those people were big NRL fans. And yeah, I just went full kit. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, that's stuck in my head. I thought you were playing in front of 60,000 people, but you're probably playing in front of 400 <laughs> yeah. or so in a TV studio somewhere. <laughs> 40. It's, it's TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a tough one, but uh, yeah. Yeah, every young kid's dream, regardless, every young rocker's anyway. But what is the most special gig, you reckon? Easy for me. It was a uh, a place, I think it was called um, 
Brighton Social in Melbourne. It's like this like underground venue. It's actually at the end of uh, Dope Calypso video of ours that uh, for, for for one of our songs. And um, that and that last show was was crazy. In the aisle, I think is the only song out from Hungry Ghost. It's like every show we're playing is just selling out within minutes of putting it up. And it's 350 cap. There's this underground spot in the city, and the crowd goes so ballistic that like. They had to set up a barrier and they put pallets like, um, yeah, you know, pallets, obviously. I'm on, I'm on the tutor. The, um, <laughs> and um, I was like trying to, trying to tell mum, like, what happened? And so they used that as sort of like a barrier because obviously our paddle boards and stuff. Anyway, they got smashed to pieces, like kicked in. Absolutely. Like the crowd took over the stages, people swinging from like the rafters, all like, with all the power exposed and stuff like crazy i can't even explain it yeah i thought that that was just the i guess because i thought that was just going to be the as crazy as it got and so that's why i remember it the, the most but yeah it was in the aisle to a yeah melbourne show whatever whatever place that was can't remember for some reason but yeah there's been so many dude like i mean in in 2010 or whatever we did 208 shows or something and in 2007 we used to play we played over 50 something shows in one year in australia alone would get in the van uh friday night or sorry friday morning drive down play friday night sydney drive saturday play saturday night melbourne drive all the way home go to work on monday work four days or whatever it was all of us every week and that's back then and you know what we were so dumb we didn't even enter that in the gig guide we, we, we didn't even know what to do. We just were going for it. It was like, just get out there and play. So, How important is the gig guide? Like, if you don't enter yourself in that, is that like the be-all and end-all? Well, I think, nah, nah, probably not. I mean, it's just the, it's the more word-of-mouth approach. But yeah. at, the same, at the same time, like, I mean, that was the bare minimum you could do back then. I mean, that's an email mm. to, you know, the street press saying, we got a gig. Um, yeah. I bet in terms of like promo and in, in general, I, I'm a big fan now of like, you know, saying that as I'm saying this, I'm just realizing like, you know, we got billboards up around the giant and like, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so dumb when you got that, but like less is more, you know, I get that you're in isolation and your coping mechanism might be to try and do more to get people across. But like, when it's right, it's 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 right. Just get it right. You know that that stuff takes care for it. Yeah. So so that's why I mean, long story short, gig guide, it's it's by no means the be all and end all. No. Yeah. Now, um, James, one of your opening hits, soft opening hits, you mentioned before was "Jesus Stole My Girlfriend." Is that song autobiographical in any way? Is is that a true story? Did you guys have to break out of the God Squad or something to kind of continue career in rock? Uh, it's, it's definitely a true story. It's, um, <laughs> and yes, we, we like we break out. It's a, um, interesting way to put it. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm making it sound a bit like Scientology. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's probably not as, uh, full on, but as a kid growing up, it's pretty gnarly. Um, but yeah, we're all from, um, Pentecostal or Hillsong school. My parents were married by Frank Houston, the pedophile in New Zealand. And then my dad moved over to start uh, his church in Sydney where I was born and Brian Houston was part of his youth group, my dad's youth group. And it was wow. a 
different church then, but it grew into Hillsong. So, I mean, that's how, how close I am to it. You know, my Jeez. dad was a pastor. Mikey's dad, a pastor his whole life, is actually, uh, is a quite a theologian in, in the, in, as in a, a Bible one. So yeah. Mikey's dad's full on. And then Luke's mom still teaches at our school. So my sister's a, a teacher in a Christian school. Um, both of them are all Pentecostal, by the way. Yeah, so, yeah, and we all went to school together at a Pentecostal school in Mansfield, which it was called... Uh, Christian Outreach College back then, but it's now called City Point mm-hmm. in Mansfield. So, I mean, geographically speaking, I don't know. <laughs> and it's actually spelled C. It's a groovy name. Yeah, yes. It's, it's spelled C I T I P O I N T E. I shit you not. I shit you not. It's like, you know, idiot, it, it, yeah, idiocracy, you know, like uh, you can graduate from a school that is called City Point. 10Ks out of the city, uh, <laughs> smelt like a trendy cafe name, you know, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But yes, yeah, so yes, very much true story. Um, my sister, yeah, broke up with Luke because he wasn't a uh, Christian. I don't really know too much about any of that sort of stuff, but that's the, that's the basis of it. I mean, yeah, you know, my family's pretty rad that, you know, something like that can go down and I can still like play in the band and yeah. Yeah, they they do seem cool. That album artwork with all the marijuana paraphernalia and all the upside down crucifix, like uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, all the endless cans of forex on stage. Yeah, yeah, we did have to sort of not 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 yeah yeah I don't know. It's it's a trip. It's a trip. Life is a trip. So then you uh, channeled all your spirituality into the Brisbane Broncos and just rocked out on guitar. (laughs) I was was real. I was real young when I. uh, when I loved the Broncos, I actually uh, fell out of love for, for a while. And I used to go to a lot of East Tigers games back when no one went. This is mm. like, hmm. yeah, no one went. Now now that place is packed, but um, which is awesome. Yeah, footy, I got back into later on in life. Now we're going to have to wrap up here and let you get back to your smoker, but just <laughs> one more question. How's Splendor looking? Is, is, is it all set to go ahead? Uh, has it been bumped any further? Like I don't know what's been said, but like, was it, it there? Was there an announcement that it was like October, November? Yeah, is that still all yeah. good? That's all the info that I that I have. I mean, yep. um, I mean, a lot has to happen in, in the world, I reckon. Like, yeah, but but hey, we need something to hang on to. So you know, go Splendor. Well, yeah, personally, I'm excited for an all Aussie lineup at 2020 Splendor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I thought this was finally going to be the year that I was going to see Chance the Rapper. But I guess, you know, I'll have to watch uh, the Hilltop Hoods again. <laughs> well, you know, what? Hilltop Hoods, are always, they, they're always good. They always always bring the party. Yeah, yeah. You, you, won't, you, won't be, uh, you won't be disappointed. Oh, yeah. One thing about Splendor, though, they, they may be sort of um, a po- having a positive approach. You know, NRL, the ambition level of, of getting that thing back and running again is it's like it's like the posters where people put up looking for a lost bird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. It's a good way you, of putting you gotta, it. You, 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 got, you got to stay home, dude. You got to stay yeah. home, all right? Your game ain't going to happen. We're watching well, the Michael Jordan documentary. <laughs> yeah, the thing about the ARL commissioner, Peter Vlandis, he, he kind of comes across as one of those characters in a Denzel Washington movie, you know, nothing is more dangerous than a man with everything to lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Uh, it's crazy.
Well, mate, all the best with the new album and um, and, and the next couple months. No, and, no worries. Thanks for having us. Hopefully, you can get out and tour it sooner rather than later. But if not, I'm I'm sure we'll see a few Soho gigs on Instagram Live or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> mate. I'm, I reckon yeah. I'm going to get into them. I got to talk to someone, so it may as well be whoever's on the other end of this. <laughs> Thanks, Ace, right. dudes. Thanks, James. See you, mate. Thank you.